0: This is a Strips Trust podcast. All news and all views expressed in the podcast are those of the contributors, not necessarily those of Morecambe Football Club. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. can I believe yeah, me. Yeah, Blessing yeah, when the land is more cometsy. As long to see me. Blessing yeah, when the land is more cometsy.
0: Here we go again, another roller coaster week at the fun-packed Mizuma, uh, and to chat about it and review the last two games and preview the coming week's fixtures, we have a member of the Shrimps Trust who I actually met with Sab Joe Hall on Monday, so hopefully we can get some insight into the situation as it currently stands. So welcome along, Rich Allen. Oh, hello, and as usual. It's myself and Joel, so we're we're a triad today, not a, not a Chinese bunch of gangsters, but there's only three of us, but start as we usually mean to go on, Boris Green Rovers last Saturday, um, a lot of discontent on social media, and I can kind of understand why, because we've been spoilt with the home form since just before Christmas really, haven't we? Uh, and, and you look at it now, a, a draw against the bottom of the league, and you think, well, maybe that's not to the standard we've been up to. Uh, Joel?
1: I think that the fundamental point to make with Forest Green is Forest Green don't play like Bristol Rovers or Burton and give us those spaces to attack. No. Uh, and that, that that's the fundamental thing here and uh, I don't think it's I think we all kind of knew that we, we don't really do breaking teams in a low block down. We don't that's not really something we have to do very often because usually I think it got alluded to in post match uh in the interviews with Derek and Cole after the game, it's usually us who are sitting back and making teams break us down and hitting them on the break. So when the tables get turned, it's it's not something we kind of rehearse to do, to be honest. And, and if I'm perfectly honest, that goes beyond formations and tweaks here and there and little bits and parts like that. To, to a certain extent, yeah, they they matter, but also... Ultimately, we are being asked to do something that we basically never have to do, and we won't have trained as much towards. So, like, say, say you're an Ipswich, you're recruiting and you and you're training, you're practicing, you and you you play like this every week against team. Yeah, pulling kind of Jake boring, Paul the players. Yeah Yeah, using your passing combinations yeah. to pull them around, and, and they'll coach that way. But whereas we we we're set up to be able to kind of sit back, soak up a bit of pressure, and then hit the spaces that teams leave in midfield and the spaces that teams leave behind uh, and the simple fact is that forest green didn't do any of that and it was it, it, you know the rotten. Uh, shots. i know yeah they came they 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 were smart and they came up with a really good game plan um they tried to make they 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 looked at what we we're really good at and they did everything they could to shut us down from doing that and i can't believe they've done that because it made it a really boring game that wasn't fun to watch so uh, how how dare they try and be successful as they can be in a football match instead of turning up like Bristol Rovers and just letting us kind of walk through their midfield, you know. I'm, I'm burning, burn, you know? so and everybody else. <laughs> and the, these strange notions that are coming up as well about massive system changes that Derek has apparently been making for this game. It wasn't. It was Hunter in from Ellen. It was a slight little tweak, tweak to the front line. Ten of the like, you know, the rest of the team is the same. So. It's not. It's not been a massive change. It's it's a little tweak to the front line. was it the best idea. I don't know. Derek will have had a reason. Well, these play yeah players were dropping deep a lot. That's what that's what happens when you're struggling to break the team down. But you know, players who want the ball and want to make things happen like your Crowley's, they're going to come deep and search for the ball. That's just kind of that's how it goes. You don't want it to go like that, but that's the dynamics of the game. You know, it, it's kind of easy to sit. In the stands and, and or, or stand in the stands or whatever, and kind of say, well, the manager didn't this, this football, and then, you know, play and 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 kind of want players to be shifted around certain areas, but you know, foot, uh, as much as I go on about tactics, football isn't played on a whiteboard. It's played with eleven people on the pitch who kind of react to situations, and it was difficult to break them down. So, I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Forest Green. Uh, maybe. I yeah, maybe we could have gone a bit more direct at times. I do think that maybe could have been an option, just at the very least to mix it up a little bit. But you know, they they made it really, really difficult and they almost pulled off a perfect smash and grab. And this is what you gotta say fair play to the players, because they they kept their heads up. It was a late goal to concede for us, eighty first, eight second minute, but we kept kept plugging away. And it well, it was a direct attack that got in. Mellon's done really well to take it down, lay off to Stockton and I, you know, he's just hit the ball really, really incredibly hard. I think as as I think you've referred to, I think a few times before Freeze, the thing that Jim Bentley used to say about Carl Stockton's right foot, you know. Sledgehammer. It, yeah, it's a sledgehammer. I mean, it was very powerful in the end, and it was in full display. So it was good to, you know, it, it was important to get that equaliser. Not a point on the board is good for us, but I think a lot of it is, it It, it means it was only a point for Forest Green, you know, and stops well, closing the gap.
0: Exactly, they didn't close the gap. And yeah, when when a team goes out in the uh, in the transfer window in january rich and buys and spends 300,000 pound on one player and then signs five other players and then gets somebody else who's been out since october back from injury and they all start all of a sudden that's not a forest green team that is officially bottom of the league is it really because it's a bit like you know it's a bit like the new chelsea they've signed six players and they all played dortmund last night and it's like that's why they were all right. They lost, but they played really well. And it's the same with Forest Green. That they had they had seven lads playing who've not not played all season virtually. So it was a new team to them. And fair play, they did what they did very well. They deserved a point.
2: It's, I mean, Forest Green's a surprise. I mean, they've been trying to get into League One for well ever since Dale Vince took over mm-hmm. all those years ago when we were playing them in the Conference. So it's it's surprising that they struggled to come here when the, you know they've, they've got the finances to. To pile into it so yeah it was, it was good to get a point in the end but i mean the one the one pe- set of people i think we're very happy with is the the teams that we've got the loan players from because the likes of weir crowley well crowley's not alone but you, the, the the weirs the shores um Melon. the melons the what? Weirs. I, i've missed one but uh yeah <laughs> and they were the first it's the first time that they've had to do something different and think about it yeah. yeah, it, it had the, it smacked of watching an under 23s game in the Premier League or something like that, where it's all very technical and we're moving from left to right. And you know, they've got two banks of four, and it's all very neat and tidy. Whereas what they needed to do was to look at the game and, and mix it up a bit. You know, use Cole more. We didn't use Cole enough, or it was it was always going down the wings and, and trying to look neat and tidy to break them down. So I think that the lone players we got will, will learn far more from that game than they will have done. You know, putting five past Bristol Rovers or five past uh, uh, Burton.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the, the only thing I will say, um, man of the match for just about everybody stood round us in the barter card was Faz by an absolute mile because he was absolutely fantastic. He won, there was two fantastic interventions on the ground when the guy went past Simeon on the left-hand side and he put it out for a corner. But he won, as usual, you expect it from Faz. He won every single header. So when they announced the man of the match, we were like, Oh, uh, I can see why you've given him it, but but Faz was absolutely imperious. There were other people who perhaps didn't bring their A-game, Joel, and that's probably why we only got a draw.
1: Yeah, I thought, I mean, it, it's funny, despite us having so much of the ball and a lot of the play, we, we weren't creating much in their final third. Uh, they had a couple of moments, although they didn't create loads, but what, whatever did come our way, Faz was generally the one hammering it away and, you know, you know what you're going to get with Faz if you leave him in the penalty area and he'll just attack every ball, he'll edit it away, he'll boot it away. I thought yes. against, I mean, I've joked about Bristol Rovers leaving us a lot of space, but the reason they play the way they do is because they've got a lot of talented attacking players and they know that they can go at teams and, and, and have a go at them and break them down. I think one of the ways that we dealt really well with Bristol Rovers the other week was, uh, I thought, Faz was, and that did a fantastic job on their young striker. Colburn, Colburn. Oh, Colburn. yeah. yeah exactly. Colburn, he he, he yeah. was a real handful, a real physical handful. Um, he, he's done it again today. I think what I think we've done in recent so I think having Simeo come in, who I thought actually was another who had a really good game, and it just yeah, he he, he shifted he did. out to right back. He did well there. A lot of his kind of 1v1 one, one, one deals. But Simeo coming in means we've got another right footed centre back who can play on that. Who can take that right centre back role when we're playing a back three, which means yeah. that Faz can then move into the centre and just kind of focus on booting everything away from the box, <laughs> 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 which he's, which he's really, really, really good at. So that, it's that's, nice. That's That's what he's there for. Yeah. He, he's Jim <laughs> Bentley. He is. You know exactly
0: he's what Jim, you're right. He's he, League One, Jim Bentley.
2: Eddie right. kick it, runs to halfway, shout, get everyone organised. Yeah. And can't, you know what can't, can't play about him. He's brilliant.
0: He is, he is. And he's become he's become a bit of a cult hero. And uh, you know, if it wasn't the fact, if, if, you know, well, I was discussing this with <clears throat> with Glenn on the in the Carter Sheffield Wednesday, and uh obviously player of the year is Conor Ripley by an absolute street, he could stop voting now because it's gonna be Conor, isn't it? But there's there's a case, there's a case for Faz and a couple of others to be sort of like, you know, up there with him because uh, he's been a great signing. Um but you know <laughs> uh that's a nice segue into Sheffield Wednesday because obviously it was a free hit Tuesday night. Um, uh, before we came on air, I told you we were in a pub. We were in a pub beforehand, and uh, we were saying, you know, if we can manage not to concede in the first minute, we we might we might shock you, but that didn't happen, Joel.
1: <laughs> no, and uh, it, it was particularly disappointing. I think, especially after the Ipswich game. Well, if we compare the Ipswich and compare it to the Ipswich and and the and the, uh, the Derby games. Although we've, we've lost the Derby game by the biggest margin, we actually kind of played the best in that game. We had a whole yeah. 45 minutes where we held out against them. Yeah, and kept the ball well. Yeah, and kept the ball well, had some moments in there. We didn't create many chances, but we had some good moments going forward, I thought. But the thing that undid us was just a moment of individual quality from David McGoldrick hitting that free kick in. And it's led to that bit of a second-half onslaught but at least they had to work a bit hard. At least they had to work hard, and it took an individual quality from a player who a couple of years ago was playing in the Premier League. Yeah. It, that's, that's what it's taken to break us down. Whereas with Ipswich and, and and last night, it was just the first minute, and it's really frustrating to let that happen because at the end, I don't go there expecting that we're going to pick up a point or three or whatever. I'd like to, and you know, I've got full belief that in our team to be able to do something like that. At the same time, I know it's not likely because of such a strong side Sheffield Wednesday, but just to, you know, switch off, let a ball coming down our side, and then with the cutback, not tracking Barry Bannon in from the field. I mean, it's in the first minute or two of the game. It's just you know, it doesn't make it. Just kind of kills the rest of the game off because then they can kind of play the game. Sheffield Wednesday can kind of play the play the game at the pace that we, they want to we've kind of got off, I think we did it more against Ipswich, and we got, well against which we came out of the blocks a little bit more once we weren't a goal behind and they absolutely rinsed us on the break I thought we were a little bit more conservative uh, against Sheffield Wednesday and that's reflected in the scoreline which was well it was 3-0 but it should have been 2-0 obviously uh, because of the handball goal in, in stoppage time but uh, you know that's reflected in the scoreline but it's just it just sets up the game in a dynamic that's really really hard for us to deal with. But going behind in in, in that first minute early so so early on, it's um it's like uh, likened to shooting yourself in the
0: foot just as you're about to do the marathon. There, Rich, wasn't it really? <laughs> it, it wasn't the greatest of
2: starts, was it? It's uh, for the second streaming session in the last few weeks. I've sat down with a bottle of Lager to uh, oh, and we're one 0 down, um, which wasn't great. But it, it's. What we it, Because obviously we've lost both right backs, it's as if we'd sp- spent so long working out how to protect the right hand side that we weren't <laughs> expecting it to go down Gibbo's end. Oh, he's not
0: just Shepherd Wendy
2: cheating. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just just seemed a bit silly, really. And then the, 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 you know, we lost the first goal. Second goal was a good goal. And then I think pretty much both sides just went, well, if, if you want 2 0, we'll, we'll just keep it here. We won't try very hard to go and Make make a game of it. and As long as you don't try and put six in the other end and we'll all walk away with a 2-0 victory that pretty much everybody expected was going to be there at the, at the start of play. So, yeah, a bit of a non-event, really. A bit of a shame.
0: Um, Liam Shaw had the, probably the best self-created chance he's, he's done with his run from the halfway line where he beat two or three and the keeper saved it with his feet. So that was a bit unlucky, but that was at 2-0. Mm. But um, we had a bit of a go in the second half. I, I have to say... And this was, you know, it's easy to be a manager on the touchlines, but I'd have liked to see... I'd I'd love to see Adam Mayer. I thought he came on and acquitted himself very, very well. He looks like a great, great prospect. But Adam Mayer came on for Michael Mellon. I'd like to have seen the pair of them together because Mellon did all right in the first half. His movement was pretty good. Uh, But he had every time he turned around with the ball, he had nobody supporting him, whereas he might have had Mayer next to him and he could have done something between them. So... But that's just, you know, uh, all the subs that Derek made in the last sort of 15, sort of 20, 15 minutes were to, it was, you know, <laughs> and all the Sheffield Wednesday lads said to me afterwards, oh, yeah, yeah, you were taking all your best players off. I went, yeah, he was saving them for Peterborough because the game was dead, which it was, wasn't it?
2: i got the opinion that that's why Cooney didn't play from the beginning. Awesome. You know, why, why, are we, you know, why are we risking when he's 60, 70% fit for... A game that we're probably not going to get much out of when we, yeah. You know, what well, are we nine unbeaten at home now? So, yeah, yeah with the Peterborough game coming up, it's, we're far more likely to get three points out of that than we are for a team that's unbeaten in what, 21, 22 games or something, is it, Joel?
1: Yeah. Joel knows
2: these things much, much greater than I. Uh...
1: <laughs> you, you're about right. And the, the, the that, that game, the Tuesday night game, that was their seventh clean sheet at home in a row. So, yeah. We do all the effort on target. No, we did. We got uh, two, we got two one cold, header. Oh, cold, cold header head and then melon shot in the first half. Yeah. yeah. So fair play. Fair play, lads. I think that's a lot better than some of the other teams have done. Yeah, probably. it is. <laughs> probably, it is. So, hopefully. I mean, well, yeah, but I mean, the, I mean,
0: and I, and I said this at the time, we were half-time 2-0 down and uh, there was nearly nearly almost 200 Morecambe fans there, which doesn't seem like a lot. But obviously, when you're on a head to nothing, you've been there in the FA Cup and you got tonked there last season. And uh, it, it, it escaped none of us that uh, we've actually played Sheffield Wednesday four times in the last year, and we still have, we still haven't scored against them. We have beaten one 0
1: at home with an own goal. We played five. I think no, even worse. I think we have played against them five times now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we have. But I, I mean, the in, the, oh. in, in in League One,
0: in League One, yeah. we've played them. We've played them, We've played them all four times, and we have still not scored against them. You know, the only t- we, yes, and their blocks in the football, like you beat us last season. And i went, yeah, but you
1: scored. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so we, what, what, we, we, we used the ball of our luck in that game, I think. Uh, that, yeah. uh <laughs> because in fairness, like they, you know, they had a few, yeah, they probably could have, Nick, they probably could have got on a couple in that game, but I remember Jochal Anderson had a really, really good game and, uh, yeah, he caught, got a bit lucky. He yeah, caught, he caught everything, it. basically. And yeah, yeah, so and then we got a bit of a, Silly little own goal. So I think we used, yeah, we used the pull arc and a good look. So it'll come around again at some point. But we've we've just had to, the, the footballing gods have willed it that we've had to take a a few tonkings on the chin because of that. Obviously,
2: and a small point on the two hundred that have travelled as well. There's there's once a time we'd have considered two hundred travelling to a local game as a a big away following, and that's that's in Joel's lifetime. Yeah, it's we really should look at how far these clubs come. By the that's, fact that we, we are saying that, oh, only 200 on a Tuesday in Sheffield. Like, it, it is it is really surprising and amazing how far the club's gone over the last five, well, years Well,
0: strangely, that's exactly what we were saying at half-time. Because me and, me and Glenn went for a, an hot chocolate at half-time. And there was somebody who was like, oh, well, never mind, you know, blah, blah, blah. And most of the fans were less a-fair. There was a few, you know... Social media, quite rightly, people had sat and watched at home and said, oh, load of crap, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the ones who went were all fairly laissez-faire. And quite a few of us were having the conversation about uh, going to, not that long ago, going to Orich RMI and getting beat 4-1. And the only highlight of the night was the hot pot. And Glenn went, I think think that night it was a bit salty. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I think you're right, it was. But like, And that was in front of sort of like 400 at Orich, where we, we, we took 100. And it, it's it's not that long ago, and it isn't. It's you know we're Northern Premier League. We were in there till nineteen ninety five. for crying out loud.
2: Now, I, again, I remember the nineties when a, we, me and you, were cheering a, a shopping trolley attendant in ASDA at the back of the RMI as we're, they're sweeping up yeah. trolleys in there at a, a balmy yeah. Saturday afternoon. Yeah, watching. Uh, we yeah, we yeah, really watching should there. be counting yeah. our blessings.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And I know, I know to some people listening, 1995 is before you're born. I get that. But, you know, it is perspective in the fact that when, when me and Glenn were walking back with the hot chocolates going down into the away end, I was just like, it just struck me. I was like, bloody hell, we're at Hillsborough. <laughs> There's 21,000 here. And this is, you know, this is level playing field. So, you know, whatever happens, happens. It's just, it's, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to compete, but, when Barry Bannon's on 27 grand a week and that can pay for 12 of our squad, you know, that's just the truth of it. I'm not saying any more.
2: Exactly. And, and it, you know, hopefully we were in the same league as Sheffield Wednesday. Well, we probably won't be. They'll probably go up. But anybody that hasn't been that away end, when you go through that tunnel, straight into Hillsborough, when you've got 21,000 in front of you, it's almost like walking out onto the pitch yourself, isn't it? It's an, it's yeah, an amazing it football is. stadium. One of, the, one of the last few proper stadiums out there of the, the old era.
0: Yeah, and it was, you know, 1966 World Cup and et cetera, et cetera. First, first full-length cantilever stand in Britain and all this, and it's all still there. And it was just a, it was a great occasion. Could have done with a better result, but, you know, um, like you say, like you were alluding to, Joel, you pick your battles, don't you? And uh, that was one where it was a free hit and we weren't expecting anything.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And it's just, it's, it's always going to dig a little bit that, the while it's a free hit, the, the the goal in the first minute kind of kills the game really, and it, it's annoying that you know, we didn't make them work a little bit harder for it. But like you say, it's it's not going to define our season. None of these last few horrible away games are going to define our season. It is going to be, I th- it's going to be the games against teams around us, and I think against well, I'm, I'm actually I'll segue nicely into into Peterborough. I think any game at home regardless of if it's a team near the top actually i'd back us in to do quite well and
0: and and the one thing about we can expect from peterborough is with the um johnson clark harris or uh, Ryland clark harris as i called him in the in the the last podcast when we were playing peterborough Uh, johnson clark harris etc etc they're not coming, they're not going to come and sit back like Forest Green, are they, Joel?
1: <laughs> no, absolutely not. I mean, it, it was a funny one. I remember just the first few minutes of that Forest Green game. I remember that I was sitting with my dad, and he just and he said, yeah, I've just got a horrible feeling about this because he could see from the first few minutes how Forest Green was setting out, and we, you, knew, you knew we were going to struggle to break them down whereas a team like Peterborough are going to come and they are going to have a go. I've just been having a quick look through some of their numbers and they like to try and pass the ball and move it up the pitch. So there are going to be gaps that are going to open up that we can exploit. They're they're going to want the ball and and we're going to be happy to let them have it in certain areas of the pitch so that we can then, you know, nick it off them and counter on the space that they they leave. And that's, that's what we do best. And I think it's a funny one because, you know, it's not always a, with football, it's not always as simple as, oh, Peterborough are high on the table, so we're gonna do worse against them than this team lower on the table. You know, it's about what how you nullify each other's weaknesses and you know how you operate your style as a team. Obviously a lot of it does come down to player quality, but you know, there's lots of other little things. And I think in this instance it's there are gonna be more opportunities. I think we're gonna be troubled in our defence a bit more most likely they've got some really really talented players like you said johnson clark harris uh i i there's a lad they signed for barnet as well in january i think it was in january f. f from mason clark i watched him uh last season uh he was playing for barnet at stockport he's fantastic he's really really good and i think um, are they at- are
0: they only are they only starting with starting 11 with with uh, uh, uh double barrel names then is
1: that yeah perhaps Only <laughs> <laughs> are double barrel names there but uh yeah so uh you know they've got some really really talented players and we are going to have to be on our on our game to be able to stop these talented players but you know you could say the same with bristol rovers they've got some fantastic attacking players yeah. you know aaron collins we i like anthony evans josh coburn scott sinclair despite missing the penalty he was really really good uh and we've shown we're capable of competing with these players so yeah hope i i'd hope for I, i'm not going to hold out for a 5-1 victory again but I would be hopeful of putting on a good performance, and you know, I think we've got a decent chance of winning this game. I think. I think the
0: only thing I can say is that the last couple of games we've looked, um, we've looked a little bit. Uh, and what's what struck me, and it struck me at Wednesday, and it struck me against Forest Green, was that our particularly our long range passing was off, and it was off at Wednesday. We put three or four out. Last Saturday we put three or four into the crowd, which were easy balls, uh, and then because of that, our long-range passing it sort of disappeared in the second half because we kept it short because we couldn't seem to find the man. Um, obviously, they'll probably knowing the way they play, they'll push the fullbacks on, so there'll be plenty of spaces in behind. I can see him starting hopefully with Mellon and and Stockton because Mellon can run on to things like that, and we've got the we've got the ammunition that we can we can do that, but. It's going to be interesting because uh, they've had they've had a, a pretty poor time that five 0 defeat at home to Bolton, Rich. That's, and uh, you know it it it's uh, it's knocked a dent in the confidence. Hopefully,
2: yeah. As a man who lives in Manchester, if I hear more about Bolton's resurgence. I think I'm
0: going to stream. Um, yeah, they've won ten nil in two games.
2: So <laughs> they're spending millions and millions. They get twenty or thousand at home. Of course, they should be beating Peterborough. But anyway. Anyway, less of uh, my Bolton hating. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. We, what I've always liked about Derek is that he goes into every game trying to win three points, whether it's Sheffield Wednesday away or whether it's Peterborough at home. We've got Peterborough at home, followed by Port Vale. Yeah, we, we, we need to be targeting for at least four points out of these two. If we get them, we're going to be back up towards 18th, you know, 17th, something like that. And, you know, it's imperative we get results out of these next two.
0: And I, I agree with you. I, I think you know. I, I try not to put targets um, on anything, but I, I think a, a decent haul would be perhaps four points out of those those two games. Uh, Port Vale is a, a, a slightly uh, a slightly different kettle of ball games to mix me metaphors. Uh, Boxing Day was possibly the dullest game in the history of Boxing Day. It's Boxing Day. You're supposed to be playing like Accrington or Southport or somebody you really really hate, and it's it's you know, charged atmosphere and lightning quick tackles and somebody gets booked in the first five minutes and Port Vale was played on a pudding of a pitch in dreary, dreary weather. Everybody had obviously had too much Christmas dinner and it was dull, wasn't it, Joel?
1: Yeah, it wasn't a good game. I mean, funnily enough, I I, kind of, I, I could see us struggling a little bit more against Port Vale because they are, they're, they're not going to want to possess the ball quite as much. They, they are a bit more direct. So there'll be a quite a different concept to Peterborough. At the same time, I think they're, they're in quite a poorly run of form. I th- I'm, you know, they've only won one game since that Boxing Day, uh, victory against us. And that was against Forrest Green. Uh, you know, they've oh, wow. since that Forrest Green win, actually, they're now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games without a win. Uh, they've lost five and they've drawn two. Uh, so, you know what? <laughs> It seems like they're kind of stalling a bit because they've had a really good first half of the season. They are slipping down the table a little bit. Uh, I don't know if there might be one to watch out for that might slip down a little bit. Although well, they, have, they the, are, quite the, a few the, points away. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the know. thing.
0: I think I think they've probably got. But I mean, we can help that if we, you know, if we if we get put two or three past them, and uh, you know, the the confidence can ebb away pretty quickly, particularly in the when it's still you know heavy pitches like we've got, you know. Yeah. And, Weather front coming in, etc., etc. The word, the word that comes to mind with Port Vale is obdurate.
1: Yeah, that, I mean,
0: <laughs> they're just they're nothing spectacular, but they're just
1: bloody awkward. Yeah, they, they are. Not like you say they are awkward, and I think that that's you know they've proved that all season. I think it's just making sure we, we do find a way of getting getting the better of them because they are going to make it awkward and difficult. Uh, and yeah, there'll be there'll be a tough physical side, but they they blow me away on Boxing Day. I don't think they're out great, but. Sometimes it's just making sure you come out on top in those kind of needly little games, and that's what they did in that day. Uh, I, but hopefully at home, where we our form been a bit better, we can do the uh, kind of, you know get a bit of revenge on them.
0: Uh, as you're probably aware, Rich, I'm the worst tipster in the world, but I can see a high scoring draw with uh, Peterborough, maybe two, three all, because they're not very good defensively, but they're great going forward, and therefore they'll leave gaps and we'll exploit them. And I can see Port Vale being nil nil with about five minutes left and us really, really tonking it and going for it. Uh, And maybe if we squeeze, you know, get a little bit of luck or our first penalty since Wigan away. I've corrected that one. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Our first penalty since Wigan away or our first penalty at home since Bolton, which I meant to say home last year, last week, but I said home. Uh, So yeah, um, would you, would you, would would you a little bit of luck? But I can see, I can see those both games. Going like that, a high-scoring draw against Peterborough, and then uh, Port Vale boring us all to death but winning it, and I'll take three points.
2: Uh, well, that's knowing my uh, look at choosing football games. That's like it's happened. So I can't make the Peterborough game, and I can make Port Vale, which is great news for Joel getting to and from the game. But yeah, it's uh, yeah on the subject of tipping. I, I tipped Charlton and MK Dons to somewhere near the top, and I've got money on it. And they tip Port Vales be somewhere near us. So yeah, read into that what you will. Um the, the side that yeah, it's they got up pretty similar to how we did. We weren't, yeah, you know, we they had a good side, but not one where everybody's thinking, oh, we're gonna get yeah. up and invest in it. And they kind of got up by accident. So I was thinking they're gonna be down near us, but they had that promoted team, good run at the start of the season and put us in put them into a bit of mid table. And I can't they've probably got too many points on the board now to come down, as you as you say, to yeah, to um, meet us, unfortunately.
0: And the the one positive that I do want to speak about, which the other night was that um, we saw the return of Jake Taylor, and I think Jake's hopefully got a part to play to the running if he can stay fit,
1: Joel. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah, he, like, he seems on the bench. came off the bench. He had a couple of sharp moments, and you just want more cover and competition, especially in especially in attacking with in, in in attacking areas because they are the areas where. Because you, you're constantly relying on attacking players doing something cool and special and sexy, whereas defenders you just constantly rely on them doing lots of kind of things correct and consistently. Yeah, just, whereas, just do what yeah, Fas does. <laughs> yeah, whereas attacking players you need them to be a bit sparky, but the kind of the nature of that is when you're off it, you're off it and it's just not quite happening. And and the more players you can have as options in that area, say so Crowley's having a bad game, take Crowley off, put Taylor on we're having a bad game you can switch it around a little bit and the more options you can have in those areas to you know try and unlock teams in different ways then then the better really and i'm like you know like we've seen bit of competition in the squad can only really help can't it
0: and i'm I'm going for the scattergun approach because I, I did actually forget to mention i'd mentioned faz against Forest green and i did want to give a shout out to ryan delaney for his performance against sheffield wednesday because the first 25 minutes, when we did look all at sea, and they were they were playing those balls in where they were getting the wide men and the fullbacks in behind us for the first 25 minutes. Ryan Delaney appeared to be the only one who was who was even half awake, and he made three or four really really important tackles. And then the second half, when we had that sort of 10 minute spell where we kept the ball, he brought it out in defence once or twice and ended up on the left wing. And I was applauding him, going, "Go on, Ryan, you know," because. I think he deserves a mention there because it's been a difficult time for him. Because Derek obviously thought, "Oh, I'll give Danielle Simi a go," and he's not let him down, and that's fair. And I think Delaney's been a little bit unlucky because obviously this time last year he was on loan at Scunthorpe United, getting relegated from League Two, and he's proved this year beyond doubt that he's a League One player, hasn't he, John?
1: Yeah, I think, I think, I think definitely, and uh, as well, just with Delaney, the, the the reshuffle of the defense a little bit with people's roles has changed. I think uh Simeo, he, he's not he kind of is, but he isn't really competing with Simeo because he's he's left footed and yeah. Simeo is on that right hand side. But it has meant that delaying uh, Ross has gone for that <coughs> back role, and then he's essentially now competing with Badeau for the left centre back role, and that's yeah, you know, that's a tough person to compete with, or or with a uh, Rawson for that middle centre back role, but again, Ross has been in really good form. So it's just how football goes sometimes. Formation shift a little bit. Other players do well in your, posi- in your position, but you know that that's why you have competition in the squad. So that when Delaney does come back into the squad, like he did, and well, into the first, into the starting eleven, like he did the other night, he's going to be chomping at the bit. He's going to be wanting to prove himself and get himself in the next matchday squad. And he did it,
0: and uh, he played really, really well. And he was, he was certainly man of the match for for the Morecambe team for me. But obviously, we've all got a view on that, and I'm usually wrong. <laughs> uh so moving on we've got a situation now where uh, we've spoke last week to jack and posh about the uh prospective meeting that was uh was organized that was apparently due to take place on saturday with uh with saab jo- uh, johal uh that that was rearranged um and it was rearranged for was it monday lunchtime rich uh monday
2: mid afternoon four-ish, I think all
0: ah, right, okay, okay. So mid afternoon at four ish. Uh, so that was it was hastily rearranged. Um and obviously what took place, um the Shrimps Trust have come out with, uh, with a with a um a statement which you're gonna helpfully hopefully read for us Rich.
2: Yes, I will. I've got it on my phone which is uh, I'm just testing you can
0: I'm just testing you can read.
2: So. Yeah exactly that. Um yeah so it reads uh, on Monday representatives of the Shrimps Trust met with Sergeant Johal and Saidi Kawui from Saab Capital and Jason Whitting of a bond group regarding the proposed sale of Morecambe Football Club Limited. During the meeting, we were able to raise some of the concerns that have arisen over the last few weeks. Saab Capital have told us that the accusations of any involvement in a crypto-based investment platform are wholly untrue and that an investigation is ongoing into the website alongside legal action taken with the allegation of copyright infringement and defamation. SaabJot was also keen to impress to us that the financial position and performance of the trade entities within the Saab Capital Group have vastly changed in financial statements currently on public record at Companies House. Whilst no further evidence was provided in the meeting, in our discussions it was mutually understood that the evidence to support the financial viability of the takeover will be provided to the EFL, who will perform the appropriate due diligence through the EFL owners and directors test. We understand Saab Capital have already invested in a, a, an amount of equity into the club, and their intention would be to invest further equity for a share issue. As part of the due diligence process, we'd expect the EFL to clarify the source of the investment funds, given that this information is not publicly evident for the financial results of Saab Capital, its group or, or, and associated companies. Saab told us his ambitions for the club, subject to approval from the EFL, which were aspiring would involve significant, significant investment both on the pitch and off it sergeant is also keen to maintain a close relationship with supporters if his application is successful and build on our community foundations our understanding is that the process is now with the efl and the Trust looks forward to a diligence and that de- decisive response in due course whilst we await further information after a constructive meeting the trust is in continued close dialogue with the football supporters association
0: and i from what from what i can gather after obviously uh, just reading between the lines, that was that was checked over by the uh, Football Supporters Association. That statement and uh, uh, and Sabs Sabs ratified that as well. Is that right?
2: That's correct. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's what I thought. So as I said in my preamble when we started, uh, you were one of the uh, fortunate or unfortunate ones who was uh, present at that meeting. Um, was it a surprise that, that uh, Jason Whittingham turned up? It wasn't a surprise, as the meeting was
2: uh with sarge and jason um and his colleague sidey
0: so from that point of view um it would appear that jason's very very keen to to sell the club to Saab because obviously he turns up to the meeting and you know part of me says straight away well he will be keen because he's getting a lot of money for it isn't he but so he's
2: yes he's getting a lot of money for it well so the rumors are we don't know what the, the sale no. values are. We can only go off the the rumours that yeah you know, the, the mill churn out but is he is keen that Sarbjot gets
0: involved. Um because obviously it has been said um by other people that there there were there were other people trying to buy the club or at least interested. Was that mentioned? That wasn't mentioned though. Uh it
2: was only a meeting regarding Sarbjot's takeover of the club.
0: Okay. So following on from that um the statement from the trust is very very clear that Sab is insisting there is a change in his financial situation since the accounts from obviously the last financial year which obviously is going up 12 months ago what's fair enough uh but as as your statement the the statement from thehrimp trust said uh the, we've still no evidence of that so that's fair enough if he's saying that uh, and he can prove that to the EFL. That's what he's going to do, isn't it? Uh, but from our point of view, it's still—he doesn't have to tell us. We know that. But what was your overall impression? Your overall impression? Uh, did you come away thinking, "Oh yeah, everything's rosy in the garden," or were you still got questions that you'd need asking, or, or, or uh, uh, you know, just give me your, give me your gut feeling.
2: The well, the first thing is that Sarjock's a very impressive young man. Yeah. He's 20 years of age, and wh- whatever's happened, he's, he's developed a number of small businesses that are very successful that he deserves a lot of credit for. He's a very impressive young man.
0: Yeah, that said... Be, it, I don't have a doubt he'll be together, yeah.
2: Definitely. Yeah, they, it, As uh, well, uh, Paul Hodgson was at the meeting as well, and I said, uh, I said to him, I, said, I think when I was 20 years of age, I was running around the carton on a Wednesday night, not trying to set up you know, pr- pr- private uh, equity funds and uh, trying to buy football clubs. Yeah, see, yeah, we do have to bear that in mind. But it's for all the stuff that's out there. He is very impressive. He has got great ambitions for the club. He says that the financial uh, position is completely changed, but there is no proof, no proof whatsoever no. That, that you can find anywhere. And and he's it, as you say, he's not. He doesn't legally have to show us. But no. As yeah, it was mentioned in the meeting. Until we're shown the questions are going to be there. And it, yeah, it could be, you know, it's like me winning the lottery, I could have a winning lottery ticket and say that, yeah, it's, I mean, it, we just don't know. Yeah, if if he shows it to the EFL, we'll have to see it. And if he'll see it, it'll go through. But at the minute, yeah, the, although he is laboured very strongly that the, the situation has changed, yeah uh, with, with what's going on that what what's available in the public domain yeah that there is no concrete proof that we've seen so what was jason's
0: role in the meeting then
2: um primarily to introduce saab to us yeah he's he's you know well he's known to the club he's been here for three or four years it was more as an intermediary to obviously introduce Saab and his team to ourselves rather than just us tip up in, in the middle of a meeting yeah it was it was more to he's the wheels of commerce so to speak
0: facilitator
2: facility that's a much better word dave yeah yeah
0: that's what I, f- I figured so did did saab um allude to any plans that he had then should he buy the club
2: um yes uh, his plans are well ambitious to say the very least um so, so oh, 65
0: 000 all-seater stadium <laughs> no.
2: not quite that many but yeah you know, the, 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 the talk is to you know significantly increase the playing budget improve things off the fields Yeah, you know, maybe a new stand if we can get more people there yeah it's it's all very ambitious and it's all exciting if it goes through and and the money does exist but you know we, we go back to what we said said before we could all say we'll get Morgans of the Premier League if we win the Euro millions but the, the money has to exist the important thing is you know you've been following this team for you know probably 20 years longer than, longer than I David we want it here in 20, 30 years. We, we don't want uncertainty. We want to make sure that the football clubs. This is why the Shrimps Trust is here. We want to make exactly. sure this club's here for decades to come, not just Russian and Diamonds, where you have a flash in the pan and all of a sudden you're a housing estate in 10 years' time.
0: No, no it's uh, it's perhaps why uh, it's understandable that, first of all, the Shrimps Trust is doing the job that it's doing and that's why you're insisting on meeting with Saad. And at least he had the decency to turn up. It, it it didn't go unnoticed that he wasn't at the game last Saturday, but a couple of people have uh, equated that with well when he started turning up we started winning so <laughs> <laughs> which is a fair a fair equation to put together but from that um you know you, you look at look at the history with the uh, Diego Lemos and Joseph Caller, and Peter McGuigan was desperate to sell and would have literally sold to. You know, a rag and bone man. If you said he had the money, which is arguably just, you know, he did,
2: Dave. But uh, yeah, that's for well,
0: people to decide, isn't it?
2: In, in fairness, <laughs> he's had a
1: very successful single since then. So, <laughs> <laughs> I like what you did there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like what you did there. Yeah,
1: and 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 to be fair,
0: he, he's played highest point as well.
1: So. What more could you want? He's got ties <laughs> to the local area.
0: Yeah, no, well, yeah, but yeah, highest point, he's probably been a giant axe. So now well, yeah. <laughs> we will not we not talk about that. So yeah, it, it, it's it, it's understandable that there is a reticence, and I'm saying a reticence because there is general suspicion of anybody who comes in. And it would be very, very easy because we all accepted Diego Limos at, at face value. I met him and chatted with him, and I accepted him as face value. And he was—he was, you know, he was it was backed up with nothing. And I, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm introduced to Saab or he comes on here, and you know, which he might well do. You know, in the future, it'd be nice to get him on if he if he takes over the club, and and you know, we're nice to everybody, aren't we, Joel?
1: Yeah. Within reason. Raising some sign.
0: Yeah, uh, exactly. So from that point of view, it would be good to get him on. And I don't want to burn any bridges and don't want to make any decisions. But it's understandable the reticence everybody's got when we're in a situation where for the possibly the third time in five years, we're, we're staring down the barrel of, well, who's taking the club over and where's he going to take us? So from that point, the Shrimps Trust has, has, has still got plenty more questions to ask, Rich
2: yes well we've asked all the questions yeah it, the ball's pretty much in mr johal's court and South capital that yeah we we'd we love to see the paper we'd love to see the answers um and if he does then then great yeah that's that's where we're at but at the minute we've we've got we've we've seen nothing to to back things up uh yeah it, like you say uh, he, he's a very affable man he's you know clearly a, a young successful man that's doing well but he, he he needs to prove it to the community of Morecambe because he's not buying a, the hairdressers or the local no. shop or a drinks brand or something like that. He's buying something which, you know, 4,500 people turn up every week and it's part of their lives. Yeah. yeah, And, and I think he gets that, but, he, you know, he, we need to see the concrete stuff behind it all.
0: Yeah. And obviously, as I said before, he, he is going to have to actually provide that evidence to the EFL. And if he does so, and they see that he's a fit and proper, then it it will go through, Joel. And if it does go through, we're in a situation where we've got new ownership. It's perhaps a new dawn. Um, And again, history has told us other clubs have been taken over. And you look at the plight of, particularly now, just this week, Southend United, with possibly their last game this weekend. And Southend United, for a long, long time, uh, we played them in uh, season after season in League Two and they were, you know, perennially abro- above us and we perennially beat them down there. But, yeah. you know, they got a new owner and he was promising the earth. So it's understandable when people are saying, right, okay, it's it's, it's if he does get the club, great, but you know, will he back his promises up? And these are the things we need answers to, Joel, aren't we?
1: No, no exactly. And as positive as it is having the meeting and getting those introductions and kind of you know, starting a bit of a dialogue like Richard shared. ideally we would have liked to have seen some more of it, this concrete proof that apparently we'll be going to the EFL, which mm-hmm. is something now, obviously with, with the EFL owners, test, like you said, it is meant to be uh, a lot better than it used to be a few years ago. Obviously since things like Berry have happened, it does sound like it is better. And obviously on top of that as well, um, I think I I wonder if there's a bit of pressure from the government, given that they're they have the, the kind of the threat of an independent regulator looming over the EFL. So I, I think there is pressure on the EFL to get this right. So I'd hope and expect them to do their their due diligence, and I'd like their to I'd like if it is to go through. I'd like you know it would be good if that we could we come to an understanding where we could also maybe see a bit of, you know, see what's backing us all up because like you said, the, the, these questions are here for a reason because we've seen what happened before with, with Diego and everything, and we don't want to repeat of that. So yeah, it would be very helpful, obviously, if we were able to see that, see, see that evidence because I think it would settle a lot of people and put more people at ease.
0: And I, from a personal point of view, as you've alluded to already, Rich, it, it it is a massive part of a lot of people's lives and has been so for a long, long time, uh, particularly, you know, the people who listen to this, they've got an interest in the club, they've got an interest in the town uh, and to get news that we've got uh, at the end of January saying that the Eden project is hopefully going to go ahead and there's 50 million pounds of funding, probably because we're a conservative seat, but Nevertheless, we know, hopefully that will go ahead. And all of a sudden, the town's in the headlines. We were talking to some guys in the Old Crown at, at Sheffield, and they, they, you know, all of them knew about the Eden Project, Morecambe. They were, oh, yeah, you'll get in that Eden thing in Morecambe, Yeah, We saw that, blah, blah, blah. They all knew about it. So it, it's, it's put us in the, if you like, it's put us in the, the headlines again. And I'd hate for us to be in the headlines for the, all the wrong reasons yet again, but obviously, the final thing I want to talk about is Saab's obviously got some published published guy doing a very good job for him because it's still reappearing now. The Tyson story came up again yesterday on the internet that I, that I was flagged in and I'm like, blimey, it's still there. It's still coming out as a, you know, a, 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 news agencies are still picking it up as a, an ongoing story. So he's obviously got somebody in in his uh in his pocket, doing his his bidding for him, so he's quite clever that way. That if he gets if he gets well, the thing, well, he
2: has, as, as yeah. I say, he's, he's a very savvy young man. Yeah, you you, you don't get what he's got without no. having some business sense and working hard and working diligently. That's not in question. The question is, yeah, where where's the money? I mean, our yeah. ninety two teams in the football pyramid, I think they've all been taken over at one point, and there's not many teams that have done that. That when it's an owner that. You can't really see where the money's come from. It, it's never ended well. It's always ended up in some kind of mess. And that's a recipe. Yeah, Saab may well be everything he said it purports to be. But and I hope he is, but you know, history does not bode well when you can't see the money in a football takeover, unfortunately.
0: The, the danger is, Joel, it'll be it, it, it could just turn into a a, a 20-year-old businessman's vanity project.
1: Yeah, I mean, just to quickly uh, address the point about some of the stories that have been coming out, I think I my assumption would be that obviously I think the first couple of... I, I think a heads up may have been given to a couple of publications in order to get those stories out there. Exclusivity. I think, but I think at this point we're probably at a point where independent sites are, are, are ripping stories. I'm not sure if it's necessarily... Right, I think it might just because that's what you do. You see you, know, you see a sports story. Think, oh, great, let's just nick a bit of that and have it on our website as well. So I think that might be happening at this point. But uh, yeah, I, you don't you don't want it to become a vanity project. And I think if the move were to go through, I think this is probably uh, we've spoken a bit about the role of the trust. And I think if the move were to go through, I think part of the role of the trust would be just making sure that you know. It, the the point gets hit home that this is a you know this is a massive community asset and that it means a lot to people's lives uh, to, uh sorry it means a lot to people a lot of people in the area a lot of people a bit further away such as Manchester or even people in Leeds or wherever so you know it, it, I think yeah it, I, if the move were to go through I think Look, I I'm not going to go and make a, wild assumptions about what kind of an owner Sergeant will be because I I I don't know. Uh, we'd have to wait and see. But I think a, a role of the trust will probably be just to make sure that the point is hammered home about the, the value of the club and why you know need, it should be taken seriously really. And I think that's
0: a fair point. And I think it's uh, when when supporters and and other people are listening to this podcast that that's all you can do we 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 can only you know we can only report the facts it would be very very easy for us to be you know less subjective and more speculative on here you know because the simple fact is you know we don't know where the money is coming from that's the important thing but if he proves that to the efl and that's to their satisfaction then we have to go with it and if he buys the club he, he I, you know, everybody at Morke will get our backing. He will get our backing. That's without, not without a doubt, because everybody gets an opportunity. We give everybody a chance. But um, my worry is, like you say, you've mentioned the Berry, the South End thing that's going on now, etc. He might turn out to be a Ryan Reynolds. You know, you know, we might be getting nine and a half thousand next year in a new stand built. You just don't know. But uh, I hope it's that because it'd be, you know, like another, you know, another roller coaster ride. And it, we've had some few roller coasters, but it's usually at the wrong end of the table and with no money. So it would make a difference to be on a roller coaster with a bit of money, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, if there's
2: one thing I can say about the, the trust position, going back to that, um, you know, we, we set that up, what, five, six years ago now? Yeah. It's got... It, it, it's there to make sure there's there's football played at Morecambe week in, week out. Yeah. It, it's there in case of emergencies. And there's... You know, we always see a spike when football clubs are in trouble and yeah. we've been very well run now with the board of directors for three or four years. And, and we've still got over 500 members, which is more than some premier league teams have in their in their, their trusts, but numbers are dropping. And it, we would need people to, it's, it's 10 pounds for a year. If you can put more money in great, we'll, we'll, we'll find a way of doing that for you, but we need to make sure that, yeah, and it's there for the worst case scenario. I hope, like you, that Sarah jots everything he says to me, or if it's somebody else, they're great owners of the football club. But we need to make sure that we've got that backstop that's got a good chunk of money in the bank that can help if it, if it all goes wrong. And yeah, if, if you're not a member, shrimp stress that go to UK, £10 a year, set up the direct debit, forget about it. Yeah, it'll just come out, get on board.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's good advice. And uh, if you're sort of toying with the idea, or you you let your membership lapse, then you know now's a good time to get get back involved and uh, and get your voice heard because it's the best way of you know, um, we it has the power, does the trust? It definitely has the power because you requested a meeting with the prospective owners and uh, Jason and him have, have trolled all the way up. Jason's come down from London and uh, and I do say down from London, you know. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> we've right. never have got it six years ago yeah you know, when no yeah you know, well when, when that all changed i think i spoke to you when we needed sports trust and yeah you did running did. around happened we, you know, we could not get a voice because we didn't have the power no of the fan base get in there the reason why we got that meeting we got you know we got to say but did we get the answers that we really do all the answers we wanted no but we got a seat at the table the reason why we had that is we've got we've got you know 20% of the home fan base yeah, yeah, you know, there is, yeah, you know, and if you want to use it as a business, it's 20% of that consumer base to sit there and put people's feet to the fire. And whether yeah. it's Sarb Jot, a local businessman, the greatest owner of the world, or the worst owner of the world, we're there to hold their feet to the fire to make sure they've got the best interests of in Morecambe FC at heart. So, as a final thing, join up if you haven't already. Pay your tenor, shrimpstrust.gov UK.
0: Exactly. Uh, and so we'll fight. We'll we'll finally. The, you'll have some trust business for us to chat about now. Then Joel.
1: Yes. No. There is. There is. A, of course, the the quiz night is happening after the um, after the game on Saturday. I'm just going up the Facebook page to make sure I get the details right. It'll be at uh, seven o'clock at the Mazuma Stadium. Uh, and the Jeff Memorial, sorry, the Jeff Wilson Memorial Trophy will be back up for grabs. So get down and uh, who's who's doing the, the quiz. Oh, good question. I believe it will be uh, Stuart Ray taking the quiz, and there there may be an appearance of uh, a, a gold sparkly jacket for you all to enjoy. And of course, the the other thing is the uh, we've got a St John's Hospice bucket collection going on yeah. at, at the game after uh, this Saturday's game as well so uh yeah, yeah. before during you
0: know, and after isn't it yeah so
1: yeah, yeah be before during you know, and after so we are asking for any volunteers uh before the game to do the collection and then obviously come and watch the game obviously as well and then uh yeah the dron's house will be eternally grateful and you know any you know, any donations will be really 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 welcome so any volunteers do get in touch and yeah hopefully we'll be able to collect a good bit of, uh, a good bit of money for them and uh
0: my pre-match is going to be uh meeting uh Meeting the lovely Tom Collins's missus who's finally arrived from Peru. And we're we're meeting up in the JB's bar for a, a cheeky one before the game because uh, Patty's been listening Patty and Tom have been listening to me rattle on on iFollow for the past five or six seasons. And she wants she wants to meet me for some reason. I've no idea why.
1: It's all that talk about roadkill. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. The what the wallaby at Cambridge, but there you go. <laughs> right rich thank you very much for coming on it's been very enlightening uh just telling us exactly what went on uh i know it's difficult for you because obviously uh you, you've got to walk that line where you're like well i can't I, I can give an opinion but it's got to be on based on the facts that i know which is fine but uh hopefully uh you might come back on when it, if it all if it all if it all goes horribly wrong then you can talk about what your doubts were. And if it all goes horribly right, you can say, oh, well, yeah, I thought it'd go right. You know, either way, you can do a Boris Johnson. You can write, write, write both articles and whichever way it goes, then you say that was that was the way I was going.
2: I'm 52% sure that it's, uh, yeah, one way or the other, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been great to come on. Thank you very much for having me.
0: No, and uh, we will see you next week after uh, I'm not doing any. Well, I have already done a prediction for Posh three all, and then one nil against Porkvale. Uh, that's my predictions. I'm useless at predictions, so please feel free to contact it and say, please don't give a prediction because you're never anywhere near you useless git. So thank you very much for listening. This has been ShrimpNet number 25? I don't know, I'm guessing now. 24, 25, something like that. But thanks for listening. All the people who uh, who took the time to say hello Uh, at sheffield wednesday in the away and at hillsborough saying really enjoyed the podcast and all the people who said um hello i haven't listened to the podcast yet um then it's time to listen isn't it so thanks for listening this has been Shrimpnet. we'll uh, see you next week